let's take a moment while we're all together in worship. Could we just enter into a prayer moment for just a little bit? Close your eyes, lift your hands towards heaven if you would please. Father, as we come before you tonight, we are here to call out upon your name. Father, we want this house to be a house where you reside in. We want this house to be a place, God, where you can flood your love into and through us to reach a, a very hurting and dying world. Lord, we are here first and foremost to be your bride, to be connected to you, to worship you, to provide a place for your presence on this earth. So even tonight, as we are together in these few moments of uh, strategy and vision and pushing forward, we always stop to say we know the number one reason that we're doing all this is for Jesus, our Savior. Somebody say amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. All right. Hey, give about three people a big old hug. Just give them a big hug right where you are. Amen. <laughs> big old hug. Oh, yeah. All right, thank you guys for coming out tonight. Uh, I know this is a, uh, it's, I always say this every time, but I appreciate uh, the investment of your time and your energy in this meeting. Uh, it is, to me, uh, so important that we get together and pull in the same direction. And that concept of phalanx, where uh, everyone is kind of pulling together and pulling together in the same direction. It's one thing just to kind of get together in mass uh, as, a, as a church family, but it's a whole nother thing for us to get a few people who say, I see the direction we're going, and I'm going to pull in that direction. And, uh, and so just want to say thank you for your time. I know your time is important. Your time is valuable. We're treating it as valuable, and uh, thank you for being out tonight. Everybody doing good? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, our theme for the past couple of uh, sessions, really for Heart for the House, and our, our theme that kind of just has stayed in me for a while, um, has been the concept of connections. Everybody say connections. And uh, uh, what, what I am endeavoring for us to do as a church is, uh, is just to continue to improve the connection factor in our church. Uh, and just like any arena of life, uh, sometimes you just got to stop and tend the garden. You, you know I mean? It's like, so if you let stuff slip at home, uh, sometimes you just get a room that gets full of junk. Anybody got one of those rooms? Anyone yeah. got more than one of those rooms? Yeah. <laughs> you know, your garage just starts to collect. <laughs> like, hey, you can't point at somebody. He's pointing at his wife. That's not even fair to do uh, that. Uh, but, you know, your garage, sometimes you just got to stop and straighten it and clean it. And that drawer that you just throw all that stuff in. And 
you know, we, we have a pretty significant amount of gardens around our house now, and um, it takes a lot to keep them up. And, uh, you know, it's weeds, it's trimming back, it's taking care of stuff that just needs to be taken care of. And so um, throughout church life, um, you know, there are areas that we're going to go, okay, this garden needs a little tending. It's like the garden of prayer needs tending in our church or the garden of outreach or the, you know, the garden of, um, of whatever, of worship or giving or tithing or whatever. So uh, I really want to focus on for a few moments uh, just this concept of um, attending the garden of connections. And I want to teach something that is just a leadership download as well that I think could be important for us as a church but also be important for you as an individual in all the, the projects and things that you try to take on in your life. Psalm 92, verse 12. This is why we want people connected. Uh, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He'll grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. So whenever I get to old age... Whenever that happens, somewhere down the road, uh, I'm still going to be yielding fruit. They should be full of sap and very green. But uh, you know that we are, uh, I'm, I'm just fully committed to this, not just in terms of a theory. Uh, of course, Scripture tells us this, but I just watched that people get planted in the house of God flourish. And one of the first things the enemy loves to do to get people out of uh, the flourishing that God wants for their life is he gets them disconnected. He gets them isolated. He gets them unconnected to what God is doing. So, uh, so us working at helping people connect to the house of God is, is so important for, for them, for the purpose of God, for what God wants to do in their life. I was listening to a, a podcast the other day and the guy was talking about, uh, he used to work as a, as a marketing um, guy for Coca-Cola. He used to work as a marketing guy for uh, Chick-fil-A. And uh, the, so those are two great American institutions. And, he, um, and now he's a pastor. Uh, so he, he was, uh, but he was talking about this idea that I thought was interesting. So you know when you go to Chick-fil-A and, uh, and you say to them, thank you, what do they say back? My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, and, uh, and, and they have started a trend that uh, there's a lot of companies that now do that. Well, the concept of getting people to say my pleasure was five-year journey from when, uh, I don't know if it was true at Kathy or Dan, Kathy, his son, uh, who took over Chick-fil-A, uh, got the vision for my pleasure. And he just started introducing this idea that whenever you'd respond to somebody in a Chick-fil-A environment, that you'd always respond with my pleasure. And, uh, and, and I thought it was interesting that it didn't catch at first, and he just, for five years, just stayed on this idea of getting everybody to say my pleasure. Which, obviously, you guys go to Chick-fil-A enough to know that uh, that's what they say, that's what they do, and other companies pick up on that. So, 
I don't, I'm not going to feel bad at all uh, about us staying on the idea of connections until we, until we become the best we could possibly be at helping people get connected to Jesus, get connected to the right people, get connected to the house of God. So we're just staying on this, and uh, I want to keep talking about it for a while. So I think our church... Uh, you know, look on the fact we're going to be 29 years old uh, coming up in September. Can you believe that? October. And, and that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, and, and I think one thing that, that I feel like we've always been really good at is putting on events. Uh, the way that we do events is, uh, is we, I think we've got a good handle on that. So when you come to our Sunday morning service, uh, you can know that there's been a team of people here practicing, getting ready, going through every video, going through every transition, checking out every mic, going through every sound. These guys are, you know, you look at these guys on the platform here and you got to realize they're all getting here 7 o'clock in the morning uh, or earlier on Sunday morning. They deserve a hand for that for sure. And not to mention the practices that they put in. But... Uh, but we work at making Sunday a great experience for people. And not just what happens on the platform, but every greeter, uh, every parking lot attendant, every interaction in kids ministry, everything that goes on, it's an event. And, and we put a lot of work into that event and we make it great. When we have men's events, um, we put a lot of work into men's events and we make those great. When we have women's events, oh my God. Um, it's a, it's a whole nother level of, uh, of uh, investment into making a great event happen. Um, when, when we've had Paul Scanlon in uh, the last couple of times, he does his Growing Big People and his uh, communication masterclass all over the world. And he told me, he said, you guys are maybe one of the best that I've ever come across in the way that you put it together and just make it easy for him. By the way, he's coming back in July. Again, we're excited and, uh, for him to come. And uh, we just do that. We do When we do relationship weekends, we just make it great. Uh, when we do Easter, we make it great. When we do Christmas Eve, we make it great. When we do me even when we do mega worship nights, I mean, we make it a great event. And so you get the idea that events are important. And I like events. I know there are some churches that uh, have moved away from investing into events and um, just having Sunday service and not asking people for time. Uh, I started to buy into that idea for a little while, and then I changed my mind when I realized that people are going to spend their time somewhere anyway. Might as well give them something worthwhile to spend their time on. So might as well be at the house of God. And, so, and I do believe there are great opportunities to connect at events. And, and we worked hard on, on even our, our systems for connections. And uh, our values of relationships matter a lot for us. So we've got a lot of ingredients in place for that. So if you wanted to, to make friends, uh, you could get in a rock group. Uh, we have a way for new people to connect, VIP Central. We have a, a way for new people to go even deeper with Starting Point, a way for them to go even deeper with Volunteer Orientation. All these are connecting opportunities. Um, and so uh, we've, you know, we just introduced a small thing, but it really has improved our connection. They're called connection cards. Duh. 
and uh, just people putting prayer requests and, and getting, you know, just more information and more getting involved. And then we're spending a boatload of money to create a lobby that will really give us great connection, potential, and opportunity. Uh, and, and that's really kind of what it's all about. So I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff that uh, goes on that, that could be connect points for us. And, and I want to talk about another one tonight in just a little bit. But I just want to remind us of something that I think uh, we have to continually remember. And that is that, you know, systems and cards and lobbies are not what connect people. People connect people. You know, it's uh, I, I, Thomas Peters who wrote In Search of Excellence years ago, one of the great business books. He said, you know, it's not great plans that pick up the garbage. It's people that pick up garbage. It's not great plans that put together great watches. It's people that put together great watches. And I just want to keep us in remembrance that, uh, that the, the, the vision for us in this season, the garden we're tending is connecting and that you are a connector. Can't, right? So, so y- y- especially you that are here tonight, uh, there's no way that we can just show up for a meeting and just sort of take the meeting in. We are here when we come together for a different reason. Uh, we are here certainly to worship and certainly to, to get inspired and receive, but we just got to remember that, that love is the glue that connects people. And we could say we have rock groups, but that's not going to connect people until people love people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So systems are great. Uh, you know, everything that we're putting together is great. But I just want us to remember what, what, what it's all about. And, and, and I'm going to ask every one of you to, to continue to, to lean into the idea of being a connector to people and connecting them to the house of God. That you are that you, you are understanding that people connect with people. And we're leaning into this. So what I want to talk about is a, is a little nuanced thing, um, but, but I want to lean into it for just a few minutes. And what I want to talk about is this. We are great with, I think, putting events on. So leading up to the event, great planning, great promotion, the event itself, great execution, great event, and what I really want us to to get better at and improve in tending the garden of events, of connecting, is the idea that we are connecting after the event, that we are getting the idea that the it isn't just, wow, we had a great service. It is like, how are we connecting these people to others, to God, to his house? How are we getting them connected to serving, to the purpose of God? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a, a lot of you guys to consider this opportunity because some of you serve, you serve on different teams that are making things happen, that are making the events great at our church. And it's, you know, everywhere from, you know, like I said, from greeting to worship to ushers to kids ministry to you name it to guys who are literally serving the servers you know I mean uh, you know these guys Ty and Connie are cooking chicken and waffles for the for for everybody and those are great connect opportunities no question but 
there's a, I would like to ask some of you to consider uh, owning this idea of, of after the event connecting. Uh, and, that, and, and that's going to include a lot of things. But I, I would like for us to build a team of, uh, yeah, I don't know if we can call them greeters, and I don't want to call them exiters, but after, in other words, when you walk into our church, you got to try hard not to get a hug or a handshake or something. you gotta, you got to try. And now that we only have one alleyway to walk in, you, just, you can hardly get away, right, without doing that. But, but, but I would like for us to have as strong a team and presence on the exit of church in the exit of events, because, you know, as soon as church is over, most people are, they're shooting out of here in a hurry. Now, hopefully we'll alleviate that a little bit when we have some space for people to hang out. But I really want to wanna, wanna build a team of not only greeters, but exiters. There's got to be a, I, we got to come up with a better word. Somebody's going to help me come with a, exit greeters, exit greeters. Uh, so uh, if you have any, any desire to even be involved or be a strategy or help make that happen, uh, Teresa Clark is so awesome and works with, all, you know, all of our greeters and hosts and hospitality and all that. Uh, and if you connect with her, that'd be great. But, you know, it's not going to be great for us just to fill this place a couple times, three times, four times for Easter if we don't connect these guys to, to the house of God. Proverbs 12, verse 27. Um, it says this. A lazy man does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a man is diligence. And the idea behind this passage uh, for me is this. The guy's gone hunting. He's taken down his prey, but then he doesn't follow through and make a meal. He just... He just Puts on the good event, but doesn't finish what he started. And, and I want to encourage us for the next season to, to really lean into this idea. And this isn't just, you know, this isn't just about you're assigned. You don't have to be assigned to be friendly. <laughs> Come on. I mean, it's like, okay, today is my day off from loving people. Uh, you know, you don't have to be assigned to to look for somebody new or, you know, just somebody that could just use a hello or a, a hug or, a, or just, you know, just you're aware, you're staying awake. And so, so I want what we do after the event to have as much diligence, uh, as much work, as much effort, as much manpower as leading up to and including the event. Everybody follow me on this? Just It's a simple idea. It's just a nuanced idea, but I really think it's a big idea for us. A couple other scriptures uh, talking about the power of diligence. Proverbs 10, verse 4, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. The, if you look up the uh, definition of diligence online, you would come across something that looks like this. Diligence, alertness, dedication, and industry shown in continual effort to accomplish a task or in performance of a duty or an obligation. 
Uh, some other tra- uh, definitions, consistent and earnest effort to accomplish the thing that's undertaken, persistent exertion of body or mind, careful and persistent work or effort. So I want us to show diligence with the people that God sends to our church. I think all of us are, we are thrilled with the idea that last year we, we had, did we have what, 11, 1,200 people respond to give their life to Christ and you know at the end of a service and I like I am thrilled I am thrilled about that but I am not just interested in a hand raised and then them just getting lost again you know just having an emotional experience I I want them to get connected to the purpose of God connected to the house of God and so that we are all leaning in on this. So what I, wanted, what I want to talk about today, that was all introduction, and I've used up two-thirds of my time. But I'm just going to, so, uh, so I'm not I ain't even going to pay attention to the clock. <laughs> That's not true. I will pay attention, but I'll still go over. Uh, I want to just talk for a few moments about, uh, about starting and finishing. Starting and finishing. Um, if you're going to be part of this church, then you're going to know that we're always going to be starting something. And, and I want to talk also about the concept of being a finisher. Not just a starter, but being a finisher. And I think all of us, as we journey forward in life, are going to have projects. We're going to have personal ambitions. Uh, we're going to have spiritual ambitions. We're going to have things that we're going to start I'm going to start reading my Bible, you know, every day for the whole year, try to read my whole Bible in, my, in a year. I'm going to start that. I'm going to start a prayer life. Um, you know, I'm going to start whatever. Uh, but, but, I, but learning to be a finisher is just as important, maybe more important than being a starter. So learning how to be a starter and learning how to be a finisher are very powerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago. And I talked about this a little bit Sunday morning, but it was a project that the Macedonian church was involved in. The Corinthian church is now involved in. And Paul is, is appealing to them. And he's saying, you began this project a year ago, but also now that you had the desire to be involved. So, so I'm applauding that. Now, finish doing it also, that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may also be the completion of it by your ability. And, and I, I really like this passage of Scripture and, and the couple other verses that surround we're going to talk about in a minute. But this concept of getting started and getting finished, of starting and finishing. Because I find that the two hardest parts, the two hardest aspects of any project or any endeavor is getting started. And then getting finished, right? Those are the hard parts. So to find the grace and the wherewithal to get started with a consistent prayer life, uh, that can be hard, right? Uh, Maybe you have felt in your heart that God wanted you to start a rock group. But you, you have these uh, concerns about whether you're qualified or whether you could do it. Um, maybe you have felt called to start a business. Um, or, or, and I, let me tell you, starting a church, it's a thing. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> it's, it's not for the faint at heart, I assure you. Uh, so you, you, wanted to, you want to start losing some weight. 
I just move on quickly. Uh, you just you want to start saving. You want to start investing. You want to start building a house. You want to start a, a project around the house. How I many of you know sometimes like you can be thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, and getting started is hard. It just is. It's hard. It's hard to get started. But the ability to get started is excellent. The ability to get finished is probably more excellent because it's so easy to get stuck there. So I'm going to give you a couple of things that uh, are helpful to me and uh, that I jotted down that I think could be helpful for us uh, how to, how, starting and finishing. Number one is you got to overcome the fear of failure. Overcome the fear of failure. So launching out in any new beginning is a step into uncertainty. Uh, and the only certainty of launching out into a new thing is that you're going to make a mistake. <laughs> so that, that's what you can count on. Uh, but a lot of us are afraid to make mistakes. The fear of failure will freeze you in the starting block. And it becomes difficult, like, what if I can't do it? What if I'm not up for it? What if, what if you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? And I just, I just want us to understand this idea that failing doesn't make you a failure. Right? Uh, not learning from your failures will eventually make you a failure. Not getting up again after you failed could make you a failure. But I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a powerful paradigm and outlook to acquire to say, if I'm, I know failure is going to be a part of me trying this new thing. Uh, so, so I'm pushing us a little bit towards let's, let's look at starting a fresh, better, stronger approach to follow up to, um, to connecting people after the event. How are we going to do it? We don't even know how we're going to do it. All I know is we're going to get started. We're going to give it a try. We're going to call people, and they're going to say, quit calling me. And we're going to call somebody else, and they're going to say, thank God you called me. Right? Uh, and, and failure is acceptable. It's okay because we're, we're launching into new things, and failing is a part of launching into new things. The lessons of the last failure could be the truth foundation for the next success. The mistake that you made could teach you a lesson that now you bring it into the next chapter, into the next try, into the next go, and that's how you can keep moving forward. So what I want to encourage us to do is, is to, to try to get away from the fear of failure and don't get so focused on what if I fail. You are going to fail. That's just a part of the deal. Second thing is this, is uh, starting and finishing is you got to count the cost and then get ready to pay more. Come on. Anybody ever built a house? Anybody ever built a church? Anybody ever got married? Anybody ever got, had kids? It's like, you think you know what it's going to cost. But you got no idea. And, and, and what we always have to know is it always costs more. It always takes longer. Whatever it is. I, I remember when we built this building, 
uh, I'd never done anything like this before. And uh, I remember working with a, an architect, just he and I, for a year, uh, getting the plans together to get this building started. I thought it was because of my uh, lack of experience and that why does it take so long? Then we decided we'd get started on this lobby. And I realized that it wasn't just lack of experience almost 20 years ago. It's just the way things are. And, you know, it just, it always takes longer than you want it to take. It always costs more than you want it to cost. And estimate is simply that's the lie you tell yourself. <laughs> so you can just go ahead and get started, right? So uh, Luke 14, 28 Jesus teaching, which of one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation, he's not able to finish. All who observe it began to ridicule him, saying this man began to build, but he wasn't even able to finish. Or the other side of it is what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down, take counsel whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000 men. I mean, you know you're likely to lose that battle. So you better do something about it. You can't just sit around and say, I'm not going to make a decision. That's a bad decision to not make a decision, right? So or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Hey, is it okay if we don't fight? Is that okay, right? So, so the idea is this. Is, is to consider the cost. Can you afford to move forward? But also, can you afford to sit still? If you just sit there and wait for that other king to come, you've made a bad decision, and you're going to lose. And I understand to get started properly, you need to do a little bit of homework. But you're never going to cover all your bases before you get started. You're never going to have, by the time you get to 100% certainty on everything, usually the opportunity has passed you by. And if, you, if you're at 80%, you're in strong territory. And, and so, yes, it's good to plan. Yes, it's good not to do foolish things and just be hasty and come to poverty is what the Bible says. But you got to learn that, that you dive into stuff it, because sometimes just sitting still doing nothing is the worst thing you could ever do being afraid to take a risk is is maybe the worst risk you could ever take and I've found that how you deal with the unexpected that comes up while you're in the process is really a part of your growth process anyway all right third idea of starting and finishing is get free from perfectionism all right how many fellow perfectionists are in the room with me you just like you know you can get stuck on perfectionism not very many of you. Okay, well, good. Well, I'm just going to talk to you a few guys, uh, and we're here together. But perfectionism uh, will always stop you from getting started because you're always trying to get ready to start. And it's never quite altogether enough to get started. But also, perfectionism will keep you from finishing because it's, nev it's never quite perfect good enough. And I, you guys know I love, I love a spirit of excellence, but sometimes you just got to have a, that's good enough, and move on to the next thing. 
The fourth thing uh, that I want to talk about, and I would spend more time, but I, I don't have much to spend. It's this idea, locate and fuel your desire level. Okay? Starting and finishing, you got to locate and fuel your desire level. 2 Corinthians 8, 10, and 11. I gave my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do it, but to desire. Everybody say desire. Now finish doing it also, just as there was the readiness to desire it, so that there may also be the completion of it by your ability. And this is just simply this idea that you got to locate and fuel your why. Why are you doing this? Because without strong desire, it's hard to break the inertia and get started. But without strong desire, it's impossible to get finished, right? Desire gives you that sense of fight that you need to make, to make it through the absolutely essential valleys that are going to happen, storms that are going to happen, um, you know, obstacles that are going to take place, interruptions that are going to happen. You, you've got to fuel your desire. You've got to understand why am I doing this and, and get it strong, get it straight inside of you. So Jesus talked a lot about desire. The Bible talks a lot about desire. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. Philippians 2, 13, it is God who is at work in you both to desire, so God puts desires inside of you, and to work for his good pleasure. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And you can look at that two ways. One is he'll give you the things you want, but also I think you can look at it and go, God puts the right kind of desires inside your heart, right? So if you delight yourself in the Lord, God will put the right kind of desires inside of you. And then I love this passage in in the message, 2 Corinthians 8. So here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up. So go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands. Awesome. Thank you, Eugene Peterson, one of my heroes, for sure. And then the last thing I want to give you is this of starting and finishing is you got to get the heart of a finisher. You just, you just got to be that kind of person like the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy 4.7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I'm a fighter. Come on, anybody a fighter? You got you to have a little bit of fight in you. <laughs> you got to have a little bit of fight in you. You know, I'm a finisher. I, 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 don't, I don't just kind of have, you know, a, a thousand unfinished projects around the house. I, I bring it to completion. And, and I, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I'm going to bring it to a point where it's perfect. Don't forget to finish. So, um, so anyway, starting and finishing. So let me talk about a couple things in terms of starting and finishing. So all, this idea of finishing, if you will, that we could apply to 
um, to new people that come around our church, or even not only new people, but people that have been around for a while that are just way out on the fringes of everything. Uh, we're going to lean into this strong for the next season. And so anybody that says, yeah, I don't think I want to be a part of that, um, come on board. Finishing our Endeavor project. So here we are, uh, this thing that has taken way too long for me <laughs> to, to get to, but we are about two months away from being done uh, with the project. Now... That means we're going to be done with the building of the building. The paying for the building is another element altogether. And uh, as I just said to you, you know, as we've gotten in it, uh, you know, we've uncovered things that now we have to spend money on that we didn't think we were going to have to spend money on. We've got electrical panels that are too old. They're 20 years old. You know, they have to be replaced. We've got conduit we've got wire we've got stuff we got all this stuff that we look at all this and go that's cool but all this inner stuff that happens so uh so the cost of this project uh is it's not shrinking um and it's it's growing and i don't i don't, I don't want it to cost anywhere near what it costs it, it and I've, i looked around no free contractors here in town nobody loved jesus enough just to build that for us and uh, so, so we, we got a, we, we've got a big thing. So you guys know we built this building, we paid for it. We built the annex, we probably paid for close to half of it already. Um, we've, we've, we built, we redid our uh, audio video a couple, about five years ago. Had to borrow a little money to make that happen. We couldn't raise enough money. We got this project going on. So I'm not going to stand up in front of our church and go, man, you know, we're really taking a big bite. But we are taking a big bite. And I'm telling you guys we're taking a big bite so that you can know that uh, we, we all need to do our, the very best that we can, you know, to lean in on this thing and, and, and make it go forward. And you might, I don't, I don't know, I don't think you're thinking this, but if, if you are, let me just say, I know some people go, Pastor, when are you going to stop asking us to give money? Never. I am never. That's like, that's like saying, when are you going to stop asking us to pray? When are you going to stop asking us to invite people to church? When are you going to stop asking us to serve? I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop. I'm not going to stop. We're not, we're not, not going to settle. This is not just about us getting it cush and cozy for us. We're going to be stretching ourselves and reaching. So when I say we are reaching, we are reaching. And so, um, so if you guys can lean in on this thing hard. So uh, we're going to move in uh, Easter weekend, uh, which we're excited about that. It's going to be great. Um, we'll probably still have a few things to fix up to, you know, get it perfect. May 6th is the first uh, weekend in, um, in May is when we have, normally have our Endeavor Spring, our big offering and our big pledge. And I'm just going to ask you guys to start looking to that and going, I'm going to lean in hard on this and just what's the best I could possibly do to help our church move forward with this thing. And then, uh, so, so, so that's coming. And I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting God. I'm leaning in. I'm believing this is God's going to help us with this. But I'm asking you guys to start praying about really doing this in a strong way. And then we have Easter coming up. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons we have this 
um, these events is to sort of get us ready for the, the big opportunities that we have. So Easter, we'll have 15, 1,800 people on a good Friday, three uh, church services on, uh, on April Fool's Day. Easter, come on, fool the devil. He thought he won. That might be my message. Fool the devil. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, it, you guys know any way you can be present, you can help, you can lean in, you can pray, you can serve, you do whatever you can do, you know. Uh, and so it's going to be spring break coming the week after. So that means there'll be families I know that are leaving. That's one of the reasons we have a good Friday service on March 30th. But this is, you guys know, Easter is our one of our best it's of our it's our top two or three weekends of the year that we get to invite people to church and they're more than likely going to say yes and it's just a way to reach people so we're leaning into that in a big way okay i have one more thing and then i'm going to uh close out so I i was listening to a podcast the other day and the guy was talking about something that i think is so true in today's social media climate uh that it what happens is it's an, if you have a restaurant, people don't come to your restaurant because you say your restaurant is good. They come to your restaurant because everybody else says it was good. And, uh, and really, what, what, helps pe- what helps a restaurant, what helps a business, what helps a clothing store, what helps a church win in the environment that we're in is what, what other people say about you. So... I think a lot of times what we have done is depended on um, new people to write reviews about our church. And we think, oh, I've been in the church for 10 years. You know, what does my review matter? It matters a lot. It was enough for you. It's good enough for you to be here for 10 years. Hello. So I, I don't want to I don't want to abdicate this these reviews. And, you know, everyone, I mean, we're going to get, like, we have, like, our, this is, so if you Google uh, Contemporary Church or the Rock Church, and you're going to find our church, you're going to find a handful of reviews, four and a half. Uh, now, most of our reviews are five, but there's still a couple of people that are haters. Haters going to hate. That's what haters do, right? They hate. So... So uh, I would just like to, I would, I would, instead of people, like if somebody Googles contemporary church in Asheville and they find us, and I think if we could, if they, instead of having 45 reviews that are positive, what if we gave them 145 reviews that are positive? So, uh, so here, and then on Facebook, same thing, because the more activity that happens um, on Facebook and on your page, the more it comes up for people to see. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Uh, some of you guys are so tech savvy. And some of you are not. And uh, so the easiest review to leave is a Facebook review. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to take the time, and all of us are coming from a different place. I mean, some of us are like, I love the Rock Church because my kids are, you know, they can't wait to get to church. But some of you are not really coming for that reason. You're coming, I love the church because I'm so old and I still like it. No, 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 don't, you know, say that. But, 
but, but there is, there, you have a vantage point of what the value of this place is for you. And I would just like to fill Facebook and our page and fill the Google reviews with reviews. So how many of you will promise me, I'm not going to make you do it right now. We thought about having you do it right now, but I'm not going to have you do it right now. How many of you will promise me you'll at least, you could leave the same review on both uh, Google and Facebook. Nobody's going to know. Be our secret. You can leave the same review. How many of you promise me you at least leave a review somewhere? Come on, just raise your hand. Just say, come on. Hey, I, just, I was just teaching you about starting, not fearing failure, figuring it out. This will be a perfect opportunity to put the message into practice. All right, will you do it? Will you do it? Awesome. Thank you. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a short break. Uh, we're going to have great chocolate and... And cookies and cake and uh, all kinds of stuff. Coffee and uh, just for a break for a few minutes. And then we're going to come back together. We're going to do something that's really fun and hang out. And then we got a few more things just to let you know about. So uh, we promise the night's going to be over by 1030. No, it's going to be over. 830. We're not going to go a minute past 830. So let's all get up. Uh, grab you a snack. Grab a treat. Say hello to somebody, go to the bathroom, do whatever you need to do. Thanks.